this week's major spoilers podcast goes out to Daniel Purcell. Didn't he throw Sam and Max the fish police? No, wait. And to Brian Lauren and to Justin Rowling, 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 and to Clay Norman, about whom I have made many jokes in the past. And there are four of them, and the show goes out to them. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, Axe Cop, Moon Girl, Iron Man, and Steel attorneys of law. If you think you're Thor, wait till you hear about the movie. Plus, comic creators talk to us. We talk to you. You talk to comic creators. It's the circle of life. You know, it's times like this, Steve, when I'm trapped in a Vogon airlock with a man from Betelgeuse and I'm about to die of asphyxiation in deep space that I really wish I'd listened to what my mother told me when I was young. What was that? I don't know. I didn't listen. The Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. Hey everyone, welcome to another exciting issue of the Major Spoilers Podcast. So glad to have you with us. Hello and welcome to the show. There is Matthew over there. (laughs) And there is Rodrigo right over there. Hey. I, one of these days, I'll mix this in stereo so that I'm in the center <laughs> channel, and mm-hmm. Rodrigo's on the far left, and Matthew's on the far right. That'd be good. Wait yeah. A Why do I have to be on the far right? Oh, everyone knows about your love for Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> First of all, that was a weekend <laughs> fling, and second of all, now see, sometimes you g- when it's a when you know when it's summer, you you meet your opposite and you spend time with. It's like that John Cusack movie, you know, all of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, except for that I one. I stood in the backyard holding a boombox over my head. 1409. What was that one that was in with the ha- haunted... 1408. Uh, 1408, there it was. The sequel, 1409. 14. Yeah, 1409 was actually even scarier. Hey, 1409 was, a- was the one where there was the like the haunted cleaner. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hello. Was, Hello, it's sir. Like, it's the next building over. It's an office supply <laughs> store. There are like haunted staplers. And- Hello, sir. It's room service. We've got a special and today. One hour marketizing, ends. sir. They just won't stop. Ah! Anyway, and the whole thing ends with Jeremy Parkinson being uh, possessed by the ghost of pipes, right? No. Yes, wait, exactly. Sorry. Anyway, Thor came out this past weekend. Uh huh. Oh, I was waiting. <laughs> I-, I went to go see it. I thought it was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really good for a Thor movie. I mean. Kenneth Branagh, uh, Chris Hemsworth, uh, what's her face? Natalie Portman. Yes, that's her face that I like so much. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I thought it was a, it was a really good. I mean, if nobody knows about Thor, I think you got a really good encapsulation of Thor in that piece. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I thought the acting was good. I thought the story was solid. There were some. I mean, I guess the movie was two hours. It felt like it was only an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. But they covered a lot of material in that short amount of time. And it's really, it's a character building movie. It wasn't so much an action movie, at least that I, I didn't perceive it as a big action movie. I mean, there was action in it, but it was more about people. Well, there was plenty of action. I mean, the and I, I went to see it. I went to see it in IMAX 3D. Ooh, IMAX 3D? Yep. Where'd you go see that at? Wichita? Wichita. Ooh. Yep. When, so how when was it in the IMAX? Well, it was, the IMAX part was good. <laughs> 
Yeah? I, I wasn't crazy about the 3D part of it. I'm not crazy about the 3D, and I'll tell you right now, and I said it before, I was on the morning stream earlier this week, and I'll say it again, this movie is not a movie that you want to see or need to see in 3D. Yeah. There's a whole five-minute sequence with Natalie Portman and Chris Hemsworth driving in a car, having a conversation with one another. It's in 3D, but guess what? There's no 3D. Right. No point. Really, the... The thing that that really annoyed me about it is that 3D really muddies when things get yes, it does. moving fast. Yes. And there is this presumably awesome uh, scene in which you have like every Asgardian ever versus every Ice Giant ever. Yes. Or Frost Giant. And they go and they fight. And it's like, fight, 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 fight. And all you see is this blue blur yeah. just like rippling across the screen because you can't see yeah, yeah, it. You it's can't moving see what's going too on. fast. Yeah. And I think, personally, I think the 3D glasses, like you said, muddy the picture. Not just Mm -hmm. muddy the action, but I mean, for the people that saw it in 2D, we were talking with some of them over the weekend on this uh, live test that we did. Um, They thought that the the colors were nice and crisp in that, but Mm -hmm. I just thought that they were dull and muddy throughout the piece when wearing those glasses. That said, I I did like it enough that that seeing it in 3D didn't, uh, didn't, didn't... Uh, take too much away because as you said you know there's plenty of action but really the important part is kind of the the whole uh building yeah, of Thor. the and important part is how does volstag look um uh, the fat one he looked, he, he looked all right. awesome. he's not he's not over the top he's, fat yeah That's he's saying he wasn't he wasn't too fat um he's like my fat right um, oh, that's not fat at all. That's no, no, that's really it's barely fat, really, yeah. if you think about it. Yeah, I mean, only 100 Steven, pounds over obese. Steven, Steven just, <laughs> really, Steven is just fat so he can carry the card. Well, yeah. The card-carrying member of the Chalmers Band Tall Man store. It's his, it's his Wilson Fisk movie. costume that he's been working on oh, since he Oh, I want to, no, actually, I want to do the whole, uh, I'm not that fat. I, I want to do the whole Lex Luthor in the Silver Age. That's what I think I would be. Prison like. jumpsuit. Prison jumpsuit. Luthor. Shaved head. Curse you, Superman. That's how I would You could never be Clark Kent. <laughs> Wait a minute. You're Clark Kent. Uh, retcon. So, you know, I forgot. Falstag uh, looked pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I, thought all, I thought even... Um, I wasn't aware that the... Uh, I guess I wasn't aware of a mixed uh, ethnicity between... There, there the, isn't. There isn't? There okay, isn't. So. No, no, no. There's an Asian guy in the in the Warriors 3. They turned right. one of them into an Asian guy. That wasn't there before. Oh, okay, okay. And, that would uh, be Hogan the Grim, probably. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, because Fandral, right? The, the, the Fandral is guy. blonde. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's, he, was, he was still a white guy. Yeah, he looked really good as um, far as, yeah. as that character goes. And, um, and uh, they made Hemdall, they made him a black guy. Yeah, um, which uh, was cool. the Gate Guardian. Yep. Yeah, I liked. It. I like that he, character. Th- he looked awesome. His he helmet did. looked awesome. They His gave him eyes. these like yellow yeah, eyes, yeah. Um, and then he just has this deep booming voice oh, yeah. that sounds like it's going across multiple dimensions. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. He that, he was an awesome character. Um, what did you think of uh, Anthony uh, Anthony Hopkins, Hopkins. as uh, Odin? I think I think it's funny that Anthony Hopkins is kind of uh, now making his career as the uh, dad of supernatural characters are like heroic characters yeah because he's the dad in the mask of zorro yeah and he's the dad in here and he's the Mm -hmm. dad in the wolfman and Mm -hmm. he's you know he's just basically a a father figure to vigilantes and monsters yeah uh i i liked his performance i I mean we're gonna hear a review coming up later in the show Mm -hmm. from one of our listeners who didn't care for his acting Mm -hmm. but i thought his acting was was really pretty good yeah i thought the characterization of odin of odin i liked it because weirdly enough, we've gotten into this thing now in movies where it's, you know, 
you have this thing where like the dad is makes a mistake and then mm-hmm. the son makes a mistake and they can't reconcile it. And then in the end they do and they kind of meet halfway. But in this one, Odin was pretty much right all along. I mean, he right. did kind of screw things up at the beginning a little bit, but yeah. it, it all stems from wanting to do the right thing anyway. Yeah. Um, whereas it's all like, no, it, Odin's not going to meet you halfway. Thor's going to walk all the crap over there yeah. to meet Odin right. You know, by the end of the movie. Now, uh, Matthew, was this a retcon? Uh, has uh, Loki always been 100% frost giant? Or is he like a uh, half half uh, as uh, as guardian half uh, frost giant? I believe, and I don't know if this has always been Marvel continuity, but I want to say going back to the tales of Asgard, um, Loki was found as a babe. Right, he was like a kid, and Odin took him home, and he was found in a frost giant settlement. Mm, okay, and he even in the comics he is Loki Laufison or Lofison. <laughs> I love the name mm-hmm. Lofison. And Lofi, of course, was the frost giant, oh, who okay. is his father. So he's at least half frost giant. In no, he's he's 100% frost giant here, and that story of how uh, Loki is found is is carried out in this movie, too. So mm-hmm. I like that performance, too. I thought that guy was yeah. just wicked enough to play Loki without being the whole twirling the very, mustache. Very, <laughs> very, very <laughs> interesting arc for Loki, I thought. Yeah. I was, you know, they could have just made him straight up, ha, 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 he, he, he. Yeah, exactly. But they didn't. Even up to the very end of the movie... He he's like standing right at the edge of redemption, mm-hmm. and decides to a- and decides really and and even his decision to not be redeemed is kind of like okay, awesome, yeah, yeah. all right. Yeah. He just stuck to his guns, it's, yeah. And never at any point that I feel that he was cartoonish, mm-hmm. and for that matter, never I that I really feel that he was being evil. No, I don't think he was being like evil, evil. Like he was, I have made the decision to be evil. He right. is. The jealous brother mm-hmm. who is doing everything that he can to seize power, to right. be in control. Even but if that but means even trying then, to kill his father and and to get rid of Thor. And, and even then, it's it's just kind of in the end, the the base motivation of it is to protect his people yeah. from his ridiculous brother. Right. You know. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's there's a lot to it there. There was a, there was a surprising depth to Loki. Mm-hmm. And a surprising lack of depth to, to to Thor, which is really absolutely one hundred percent the way you need to play. Yeah, but don't you? Isn't that how Thor needs no, to be played? Is it this is absolutely, brutish, absolutely very shallow. I I am very glad that we got so much depth into the villain and so little depth into yeah, the yeah, hero. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I had, I was hoping, and, and Matthew and I were having a conversation about this on on Saturday. And for those of you that missed our live test that we did for about two hours, we had a lot of people phone uh-huh, in. And everything. You missed it. La, 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 la. You need to be on I the Twitter. <laughs> I know we were trying to look for you, but we couldn't find you. Yeah. Um, I had mentioned that I he hope was the movie out made his way through Russell. I, I hope that the movie would have made sixty six million dollars. It made sixty five point seven million dollars in the opening weekend. Mm-hmm. Three thousand eight hundred and fifty five theaters or screens that it was shown on. Um, the thing is, this is the, um, this is the, what is it? The fourth or fifth largest Marvel opening. Okay. Mm-hmm. X-Men Origins Wolverine and Clash, uh, or I'm sorry, Iron Man and X-Men uh, Origins Wolverine both had bigger opening weekends than Thor did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Thor did beat Clash of the Titans for an opening weekend. Oh, uh, not by much. Clash of the Titans only had 61.2 million. Right. Um, the Thor opening weekend ranked below Hulk, X-Men, and the Fantastic Four, but was still ahead of Daredevil and Ghost Rider. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. It's yeah, the third I, I held a key party in 1987 that had uh, better <laughs> money taken than that. Uh, here's, here's the thing. It, it made all of this money, but 
um, you know, it it still had a, a fairly low attendance. I mean, um, what was that other follow up? Fast Fast Five the mm-hmm. week before made more money than Thor did. Mm-hmm. The reason why Thor ended up making so much money is because they showed it in 3D. Sixty percent of the theaters that showed 3D. it showed it in 3D. Right, and of course the ticket Which prices means the are that would be higher. Extraordinarily higher. Mm-hmm. I, I hate 3D. Yeah. I, there are a pair of glasses, though. If you go to a 3D uh, movie, they do sell glasses now that you can wear that um, block out one of the um, oh, one, of the one of the channels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can still see with both eyes, but it it polarizes in the same direction as the like the left eye does. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing just that one channel of information. Wow, so it might be worth it for some people who want to check out 3D. Um, so I don't know. I, I think. Uh, if it hadn't been in 3D and IMAX 3D, I don't know if Thor would have even been that big. It may have been a big disappointment. Now, it did open up uh, worldwide about two weeks before it opened here in the U.S., and so I'm pretty sure that the movie's more than made its uh, its budget back. I'm sure. Part of the reason that I didn't go is, A, I don't go to movies, but <laughs> I'm not going to pay 13 bucks to go to a film that the midget is going to want to get up and leave halfway through. So yeah. you also have to take into account that unknown factor of had it only debuted in the standard, you know, nine, 10 buck theaters, would more people have come because it wasn't an $18 film? Well, and I the other know. thing is, you know, Thor is not nearly as well known mm-hmm. as a lot of other Marvel properties or a lot of yeah, other but, comic book properties. But let me ask Today, you this, I, I mean, I had a guy who I've talked to uh, uh, about comics. He had like a ton of GI Joes. Right. Uh, of G.I. Joe comics that, you know, his mom just recently found, and he had he had literally never heard of Thor. Well, that's what the conversation that we had on the morning stream was. Uh, some people saying, we're, we're, asking, we're saying that Thor is basically a second-tier hero in the well, Marvel man. Universe, and the argument the was weighed that, well, Iron Man is a second-tier hero in the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. You know, the but first tier Thor, being Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, X-Men. Mm-hmm. Thor and Green Lantern are going to be the big films of the spring, early summer. Right. They are both, to the general public, third stringers. Green Lantern couldn't yeah. even make it into the Super Friends. Thor is not right. a character who gets a lot of play. Right. I feel like Iron Man is better known than Thor. Do you think he was when, before the movie? Yeah, and I think the reason for that is because Iron Man, as a character, has had appearances here and there and people you know have talked about iron man at least in uh, line he did have his own have... cartoon for a while yeah and then there was yeah. that whole uh, iron man heavy had metal a cartoon song. in the 90s mm. yeah i am iron man that yeah. thing yeah i think that iron man is is better known than thor iron man is equivalent to the flash thor is equivalent to green lantern they are both in the mind of the general non-comic reading public third tier guys under superman batman spider-man wonder woman Right, And then, of course, that second tier of, like, the Shadow and the Green Hornet and characters who have just general... The Hulk characters have had yeah. TV shows, yeah, yeah, yeah. basically. Characters uh, who are considered superheroes and superhero concepts, some of them aren't even really superheroes. I'd say right. Doc Savage, probably, in that right. Right, right. Uh, looking at Box Office Mojo, which reports on box office results, uh, domestically to date, to this date, $71 million domestically... $180 million worldwide, so or, uh, foreign, so worldwide $251 million off of an estimated $150 million budget. So Marvel Studios made uh, mm-hmm. a nice chunk of change on this one. Oh, yeah. So. And good, too. I mean, it's a it's a solid movie. And, you want to see know, a sequel? Um, well, I am going to see a sequel, sort of, in, in, the, Avengers. That, in the Avengers. Right. But there's um, a Thor 2 that they want to make. Oh, do they? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, they... 
now they the way that they've set up because if you stay past the credits mm-hmm. there's a scene and mm-hmm. they set stuff up so if i don't see any of that on the avengers i'm gonna be annoyed oh the cosmic cube and everything yeah if you want sure it's major spoilers people should have seen this by now if they're gonna I guess see that's it. true the other thing is that you know people say that uh you know superman is is a big uh uh what a metaphor for jesus if you want to just see a straight up jesus movie like uh-huh. you know Passion father of christ yeah, basically passion of <laughs> passion of the norse yeah kurt cobain yeah um he does look like that doesn't he? he he does that that guy <laughs> like that one guy out. yeah that, <laughs> is it that that it's just that one guy the yeah. the guy who does the marvel i'm um, marvel i'm a dc yeah, yeah, yeah uh pointed out that he does look like kurt cobain <laughs> on steroids um but yeah if you want to see a straight up you know father sends him down to earth to you know so to prepare him for his kingdom kind of stuff then you know, Thor, right down to the point where uh, Loki calls him a jaded Mandarin. Yeah, there you go. Ladies so, and gentlemen, I would like to distance myself from all of Rodrigo's remarks. So when you start throwing tomatoes and calling us horrible names, my name is Matthew. They, and I why like would cheese. they call us horrible names? Well, for one thing, they've heard you talk. <laughs> that was a joke, Stephen. Why do you kill that's, my jokes? That's what I laughed. See, did you hear me? Ha, 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 ha. Hey, how about that <laughs> Thor movie? Oh, I'm so Thor after Thor. watching that Thor movie. It's uh, fantastic. I'm so Thor, I can hardly <laughs> make fun of Steven. <laughs> all right, everybody, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com. You can find out more movie news that we have over there all the time, including uh, information or news, the first pictures of Dr. Kurt Connors on the set of The Amazing Spider-Man. Somebody just made the realization that the guy playing Peter Parker was in The Social Network. Nice. What? He's in The Social Network? I think it was Scroll Brian who did that. Uh, also, when you're over at Major Spoilers, check out the hero histories of the Junk Heap heroes, which all of them in their costumes look pretty good until you get to the guy who's wearing pajamas that has ears <laughs> that have ears all over him. Hey, you I think he's called the listener. listener. No, the this listener. is a, you know all of these the costumes. Look, all of these costumes are pretty awesome. You got this uh, golden bullet head guy. You got a guy that looks like Frenchie McGee. Uh, you've got uh, <laughs> you've got uh, tuxedo big hands. You've yes, got uh, old guy with a gun. You've got silver guy with a bullet head. And then you've got <laughs> pajama ears. <laughs> I want to know uh, about pajama ears, and I bet our listeners do too. So they'll want to head over to Major Spoilers right now and check out the Junk Heap Heroes. All the way from what year did they debut, Matthew? 1968. Really? Yes. And these are an offshoot of the Blackhawks, I understand. Well, these are the Blackhawks who debuted in 1941, but... Ah, okay. So how does that happen? They just needed of, to give them a different costume? Sort of a midlife crisis. Oh, good Lord. It, Been there, you, done that. You gotta read it. It has to be read to be believed. I will say this. You remember when we talked about the Super Sons, the sons of Batman and Robin who shouldn't exist? Right. And I occasionally go off on, you know, team-ups in, like, Brave and the Bold that don't make any sense, like Batman and Sergeant Rock? Right. All of those... And this are written by the late Bob Haney, who is a comic book genius in the same way that I guess I, I, you really have to take it. It's like Stephen Wright as a stand up genius. It's just that stream of consciousness sort of thing, and you have to love it or else I will kill you. Pajama ears. Also, when you're over Pajama at Major ears. Spoilers, check out the retro review of The Amazing Spider Man number 236 from January 1983. Oh, uh, to give you a heads up, uh, I think we're finally getting around to recording our 300th episode. 
Mm-hmm. And we're going to do that next week. No, no, so, no, no. We already did it. It's just been trapped in a time vortex. Well, we're going to allow you to get See, in on what the action. what happened was, during the recording of the episode, I looked up and saw that Amy Pond was wearing a skirt. And it created a space-time vortex. Well, in, a, in any case, be on the lookout for the live stream. We want you to be able to call in and communicate and chat with us. Of course, if we do do a live stream, Matthew, and it does screw up, mm-hmm. I guess we could blame... Microsoft instead of Matthew's faulty Skype connection or faulty internet. Why, why would we blame Microsoft? Because Microsoft just announced that they bought Skype for eight point five billion dollars. Dun dun dun! Oh my god. <laughs> anyway, uh, listener email. Dive into that electronical digital bits of electronic mail there. Crunch, crunch, squish. This one's from a guy that many of you may know Russell. by the name of uh, Kevin Rubio. That name's familiar, right? That is familiar. The guy who wrote uh, Tag and Pink are Dead, the what? guy that did Troops, wrote what? in, and, and we were asking, you know, I'd made the comment, man, I wish that there was a Return of the Jedi, you know, that we did Empire Strikes Back, let's mm-hmm. do Return of the Jedi. He says, originally it was planned as a three comics, one for each episode, but budget did not permit it. I did originally address the clone concept, but at the time the comics were written, Clone Wars had not been released, and Lucasfilm wanted me not to mention it. Full story is available in the Tag and Bink are, were here trade paperback. Thank you so much for your kind words from your from your podcast, Kevin Rubio. So that's Yay. pretty cool. Yay. And I didn't I like solicit him when they come around like I did with uh, Earthworm, Earthworm Jim. <laughs> he actually wrote to <laughs> Doug us. Doug Tenable? Yes, Doug Tenable or Tenable. Dear Major Spoilers crew, firstly, Stephen, congratulations on the new edition of the Major Spoilers Manor. Secondly, a few weeks ago, you talked about places to donate old comic books. I wanted to suggest Operation Comics Relief, and that's uh, Operation Comics with an X, relief.org. They collect comic donations to distribute to American troops overseas. That might be a good donation outlet, especially for more mature books that libraries and children's hospitals aren't going to take. Also, if the listeners have family serving overseas, they can write to Operation Comics Relief and request that a comic care package be sent to their soldier. Thanks for the hours and hours of entertainment, Joey Smith. And I suppose if you want to freak people out, you can send them a copy of uh, Pajama Ears. <laughs> and... Uh, and see what's Actually, going on I there. really wouldn't because Pajama Ears is about a $38 book in any decent condition. Oh, well, somebody nice. may have one in their back issue bin that they're getting rid of. Yeah, I wonder if uh, Operation Comics Relief actually looks through and, and, and checks these comics to see if somebody's so like, that there's I not want... some anti American sentiment in there. No, or... to see that somebody isn't sending them an amazing fantasy 15. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that'd be. Uh, it's like, okay, we'll, we'll just keep, <laughs> keep this, this one. one. It's we'll fun to we'll just file it away. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about some reviews and get to our poll of the week. How to get a major spoilers shout out. If you want to get a personalized shout out at the top of the show, all you have to do is the following steps. Number one, visit Majorspoilers.com. Two, click on the make a donation button. Three, donate $10 or more to the cause. Four, Sit back and relax, and hear Matthew butcher your name and say something cute about you. Major spoilers, bringing the good stuff since 2006. Thank you, thank you, thank you, everyone, for uh, writing in and with all of your emails that you send us on a daily basis. And also thank you to everyone who's made donations to the Major Spoilers podcast. And an especially big thanks, especially big thanks, out to... Um, to those people who've done the recurring donation. Mm-hmm. Rodrigo, what does the recurring donation do? 
what a recurring donation does is instead of you saying, I want to donate this much money right now to major spoilers and then never again because I forget, you Just get bad. Yeah. Um, you can instead have us uh, withdraw a little bit of money from your from whatever account you want, preferably one that you own. Um, <laughs> uh, on a monthly basis. And that way you can continue uh, donating to major spoilers without really having to go to the site and donate yourself. We'll just uh, do that for you. Um, In fact, I'll point out that uh, uh, Bruno Gonzalez today just became a a new recurring donor mm -hmm. to the site. He, uh, you know, this, uh, this, this recurring donation, really any donation, allows us to do new things with the site it, it, uh, and it gives us a little bit more leeway to uh do other stuff as well mm -hmm. just because you know having that little extra money allows us to uh well allows steven to not uh have his children starve <laughs> from having to pay you know server costs and maintenance and and all the all the other stuff that go into major spoilers and uh it allows him to occasionally uh feed Rob and Brian, who really, they just basically eat scraps. Yeah, yeah I've seen their diet. Well, they eat a lot of scraps. Yep. And, and Rodrigo made a good uh, point the other day. He said, you know, Stephen, if you're watching PBS and you're not donating to PBS, then you're stealing. I did not. I did not mean <laughs> that. So if he you're listening to this free that. podcast. He said if you're watching PBS and not donating, you're a dick. <laughs> and that's entirely different, really. But I was talking to Steven. I was just looking for reasons to call him a dick. Well, if you would, there is a button there right so there many. on the Majorspoilers.com website, right there on the right side. You could make a one-time donation, which is fine. That's perfectly fine. Uh, but if you want to, you can make a 2 a 5 or a $10 a month recurring donation. We really appreciate it. And we know that this uh, this money will go to some, some good use in making sure that Major Spoilers yeah, like stick, sticks around. Couples therapy for myself and Rob. <laughs> yes, there you go. All right, let Let's us see. get to some reviews. Reviews, reviews, reviews. Rodrigo, I think we're going to start with you this week. week. Okay. Only because you're reviewing two comic books. Oh, maybe we should book in this. Oh, I should Ooh, review number let's, one. Let's review then. number one, and then we'll bookend it with number two in just a moment. So I want to hear about Moon Girl, and I forget uh, I forget which publisher. IDW, this. I think. Is it IDW? Okay, maybe it is. No, Moonstone. Oh. Moonstone, okay. No. Sorry, guys. Not Moonstone. No, Is we'll it? find it here. Moon girl. Wider uh, oh, than a brave. No. <laughs> Is it Moonstone? Moon girl. The original Moon Girl was actually published by EC Comics back in the 50s. Uh, it was actually pretty cool in that they, after the book was no longer Moon Girl, they managed to save their uh, second class actually, mailing certificate. Actually, it's Red By Five Comics. Oh yeah, it is Red Five. It's Red a Five Moon, Comics. Our, romance, our good so. friends who create Atomic Robo or publish Atomic Robo also have Moon Girl. Sorry about that, guys. We're sorry, we, uh, stop! Don't stop sending us Robo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Moon Girl number one. Yes. Um, we start out with a fight between a hot chick and another hot chick, and they're like pow, and they're like punching each other, and then one of them just totally punches the other one and she falls and she's like the world is changing and moon girl's like shut up i don't want to be like this no more and that's what moon girl number one is about um <laughs> okay we find out that moon girl has a magical moonstone that does magic moon things we're not it's not entirely clear what all that entails although it does have seem to have some strong protective 
powers. Um, okay. We're also introduced to Satana, um, who is uh, was at some point her mentor and taught her to use her magic moon powers. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, Moon Girl is in the United States, and, and, and it's... I don't know. I don't remember if it's explicitly said, but you basically get the fact that she's Eastern European royalty, mm, possibly okay. Russian. Okay. And um, although I may have misread that, but some kind of uh, European royalty, and she basically is trained in mystic arts and and kicking butt by her uh, by her. Uh, teacher was this satana chick right Mm -hmm. um and then she escapes goes to the united states becomes a nurse and starts living the american dream finds a nice boy um and also becomes an awesome superhero which is the american dream really of course it is um it's pretty interesting there is such a thing and uh as as having a two f- a comic book that is too fast paced mm-hmm. there are times in this book where it feels like you are reading a preview of another book oh really okay like it like the scenes just bam 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 and the art is really great it's very clear as to what's happening at all times it has that soft those soft lines mm-hmm. um but it's you know you can always tell who you're looking at um but and so you get enough context from the artist to what's happening but it does switch back and forth on you really hard especially with everything that happens more or less this week like when you go back to flashbacks the art is different enough and they actually label them like oh cool this happened in 1941 kind of stuff um oh yeah the book is is set in the past it's set i think right before world war ii Mm -hmm. um and it's kind of this thing where Moon Girl is going around beating people up, and now people are taking notice, and you're starting to see this rise of uh, costume vigilantes um, and also super criminals starting to appear. Cool. It's pretty interesting. Um, I'm into it. I'm really looking forward to reading the second issue. Oh, and we look forward to hearing your review of the mm-hmm. second issue. Uh, Moon Girl, Matthew, as you said, first appeared in A Moon, A Girl Romance. And sort of. that that was the only time she appeared was in the first issue, and by the third issue, it was canceled, and no. became a Weird Fantasy thirteen or something. No, Moon Girl is started in Moon Girl number one. Mm-hmm. I believe Moon Girl number five is where it became a Moon Girl romance, and then it became the weird thing. But then there was Moon Girl fights crime, mm-hmm. and then for, it, it was very complicated. But yes, eventually it was revamped as EC's Legendary Weird Fantasy. It's really Kind of complicated, but the thing that's really cool is Moon Girl was created by Shelley Moldoff, uh, the same artist who created the Silver or the Golden Age Batwoman. Yeah, and also it was uh, cool. created by uh, Gardner Fox, who did uh, Sandman, co-creator of that. Um, Dude, Gardner Fox did everything. Oh yeah, what does he see? Did something with the Flash, Hawkman, Justice Society of America, Batman. He did something with Batman. What does it say here? Gardner Fox wrote the first of his several tables of the the Batman, introducing the early villain, the Batman meets Dr. Death. So, the man is a legend. And he's a small canine who is into horticulture. There you go. Well, you know what they say, you can lead a horticulture, but you can't make her think. Mm. Matthew, last week, Axe Cop. Bad guy, Earth number three arrived. 
Axe Cop. The most fun I've had in comics literally in months. Axe Cop. Axe Cop. Axe Cop number three. Well, actually, this is Axe Cop colon Bad Guy Earth. Number three of three came out from Dark Horse Comics. And the story behind Axe Cop is apparently um, a... I don't know if he was a professional artist before this, but a young artist started drawing stories written by his five-year-old brother. Right. And they created Axe Cop, which started as an online uh, webcomic and then was collected, I believe, and then got this particular limited series. I was handed Axe Cop number one by one of my coworkers at Gatekeeper saying, you will read this. And so I read it and I was absolutely fascinated. Basically in the first Two issues written by Malachi, age six, and drawn by Big Brother Ethan, age 30. Axe Cop and his partner Dinosaur Soldier have discovered that psychic twins from the psychic planet have taken over the world and turned the entire world into a bad guy Earth. So they've gone back in time to the year 00000000 to try and save the world, only to find that all the children of the psychic planet have been turned into frogs. <laughs> Axe Cop. This is... Awesome. Yeah, it, it really is. It For me, it's a throwback to the point where you would sit and you would just think up stuff. And my uh, cousin Elwood and I used to sit in my grandfather's boat behind the garage way back in the 70s and the early 80s. And we would just come up with stories and adventures of stupid things and how we would be the coolest members of the G.I. Joe team ever. But uh, this is very much like that because it's that stream of consciousness storytelling at the beginning of this issue, Axe Cop, Dinosaur Soldier, and Sockerang, who has arms that are socks, also are boomerangs, <laughs> have gone to the psychic planet. And they find that the frogs aren't the only ones there because the bad guys, uh, their parents are there. But there was also this evil witch. Now, this is issue three. The evil witch shows up for the first time in this issue. And she is pivotal to how it all explains. So they travel back to the future and they fight and they fight. And Dinosaur Soldier is actually uh, splattered with uh, robot bear blood and turns into Bear Cop. Bear Cop. And literally, this is wonderful. They have to channel the power of Unicorn Man. And then they have to fight their own evil duplicate. Sakurang's evil duplicate is Booterang. Whereas Axe Cop has to fight the evil Chainsaw Cop. And uh, Bear Bear Cop has to fight Bear Droid, who's an android, along with a bad angel and a robot Satan. <laughs> it really is wonderful. And all the bad guys squish together into one giant creature. It's brilliant. It's amazing to just listen and read this and see how awesome it is. Because throughout the issue, all these wonderful things are happening and they have to go to the planet of swords to get a big sword. And then they have to use Uniman's power. Who's a unicorn. And then Sakurang's mom, who's also a superhero with Sakurang powers reveals that she is actually the evil witch. And Axe cop drank a bull potion and then Lavasaurus spit hot lava on him. And he fought the villain as Axe cop lava bull. Now Axe with cop. battle axe with battle axe. <laughs> Amazing. This is wonderful, and I—I I don't know if I, I can handle I, I have this to book. Myself. Oh, you can! It's so stream funny. of consciousness, you know. Little, you know, like Mason comes it's into the room and has wonderful. these bizarre little mm. stories of whatever he's telling, <laughs> and, and you're just like, "Get away from me, kid! You're creeping me out." I, I think those are awesome. <laughs> they are, especially better. because he makes it so much social commentary into the stuff <laughs> he says. 
Yes, Joker and the Spider-Man would make a great I'm not going to tell you everything that happens, because Stephen likes to point out to those of us who work here as the editor-in-chief that a (laughs) issue summary, or an issue summary, is not a review. No, it's not. However, I have to share that on the very last page, Axe Cop gets universal power and becomes the president of presidents, and prays that everyone on the whole entire planet poops their pants except for him. And so they do. <laughs> the end. And the last, the last page is so incredibly just out of left field touching. It's this little epilogue, and it just has Sakurang kneeling at a grave. And it's like, in memory of Sakurang's mom, who was really actually dead the whole time. Because Sakurang's mom coming back from dead was from the dead was a plot point in one of the previous issues. Okay. And that's, I mean, that that's like an episode of Scrubs where you laugh and laugh and laugh and all of a sudden they make you think about something and care. Nice. This, I don't know whether Steven would like it because Steven is a known enemy of Joy. Yes, but that's this, right. Joy and I have not seen each other since she dumped me in 1996. I think you're thinking of cricket. But in any case, this book is really fun and really wonderful. Now, it's not something that you read if you're looking for, you know, heavy-duty Alan Moore analysis or, you know, the Garth Ennis deconstruction of war or even, you know, Brian Bendis people saying F a lot. But it's something that I think that many comics fans will enjoy simply because I don't want to – I don't want to – call it something negative i don't want to like you know throw it into a a gutter it's kind of a novelty act but in being that novelty act it's so refreshing that it reminds me of what i love about other comics Mm -hmm. and i read this first in my stack of comics this week and then i read the rest of the books on my stack and i couldn't help but take some of the manic joy of axe cop even to you know things like house of mystery or you know i i will say that it is entirely nameless, but a particularly dreary and soulless, you know, big two comic this week was more fun because I read it after Axe Cop and I was still giggling about, you know, the Pope pooping his pants in the Vatican mm. Be- because I am a heretic. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 was, I was going to say, you think my uh, Thor Jesus thing was bad? <laughs> <laughs> hey, the Pope is a perfectly human man. But uh, is he? Have you seen him? <laughs> and now you're going to hell again. Yeah, all right, um, I'm sorry. All the slices of meatloaf for this all right. one. Five out of five. I don't know how many meatloaf. they are, simply because it's fun. And I think you should sit down, and I believe there's a trade coming out. I think you should sit down by the trade, just sit and read it. Enjoy it. Sit down. Don't, you know, take a minute between like you do for, you know, the weekly reviews and snatch reading whenever you can. Sit down and just experience Axe Cop, and I think you will have fun and giggle your butt off. All right. Thank you, Matthew. Uh, Coming out this week from Dynamite Entertainment, Total Recall number one. We've all seen the movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Get your ass to Mars. That's right. Uh, This one, you remember how uh, Total Recall ends, Rodrigo? Um... Let's see. Nope, Ronnie uh, Cox's uh, eyes. Pop. I wanted. I wanted yes, to Ronnie, uh, Ronnie Cox's eyes pop out of his head. Uh, come, come up with a s- sexy girl, and the guy pops out of his stomach. Quaid. Quaid. Um, Quaid. no, Quaid. I don't remember how it ends. So it ends with uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger going, "Wait a minute, what if this is just a dream?" And she says, "Kiss me," and they kiss as the Martian atmosphere fills up with blue sky, and Total Recall number one takes place. 
immediately after that kiss. Nice. And uh, it's a very fast issue. A lot happens. It's a very you know compressed time where all of a sudden they're being chased by the uh, the law uh, there on the planet Mars. I forget which. Uh, corporation it is the mining corporation is still chasing them down turns out that uh, when quato and uh cohagen were both killed um uh, i love quato and cohagen didn't they do that I album know. that was based on a comic book no it's the other way around <laughs> you know claudio sanchez he yep. writes uh, quato and cohagen <laughs> so apparently when everyone on mars hears about their two deaths on the one hand, all the rebels rise up because apparently Quato was keeping uh, everybody under control, mm-hmm. keeping all the factions from, you know, just going ape shit. And they go crazy here and start killing and the cops are fighting back. And it's up to Quaid to step in and, and broker peace. Mm-hmm. And he does. He basically says, look, work with me and I will stop the rebels. And so they shake hands and everything's happy. And then Cohagen's uh, twin kids, boy and a girl, come to take over the uh, management of Mars and that's how the issue ends. Hmm. It's it's very fast paced because apparently, you know, it takes you a little while to get from Earth to Mars still, but it happens like almost in an hour after after the movie's ending that there's two new kids on on board and uh they're trying to make sure that peace and everything runs smoothly on Mars. It's an odd story just to to end it with that first issue, which is why this is an ongoing or at least a mini series. I bet it goes 12 issues at least. Um <laughs> I'm not sold on it, to be honest with you, because Total Recall ended in such a way that left you wondering, is he still inside the machine? Mm-hmm. Is he still at uh, Recall uh, and uh, and uh, and having this weird fantasy, or is this real? Right. And this one just kind of blows that out of the water with Quaid saying, well, even if this isn't a dream, I'm still going to continue on with this and uh, try to make sure that this is a happy ending for everybody. And then there's this weird twist about uh, all the mutants are now suddenly coming down with severe migraines and dying. Mm. And so there's a mystery that's going on that could have some bigger implications down the road. But overall, I didn't think it was a super strong story. I thought that there was a lot of uh, forced uh, action just so that you had some action in the piece. Mm. And they could have made it. They could have played this very quietly with this idea that the Martians are coming. They could have played this whole thing kind of. I don't know, a little bit more straight instead of over-the-top action with shooting and blowing people's heads up and all that good stuff. The art is fine. It's, you know, nothing to write home about. You can tell who all the characters are. Mm-hmm. Arnold doesn't quite look like Arnold because I'm going to bet that there are some licensing rights sure. issues. Uh, but the mutants certainly look like mutants. Uh, people look like people. Uh, there's nobody there uh, with taking their head off going, two weeks, two weeks. Um, but otherwise, you know, it, it's not bad. Um I'm I'm compl- I'm still not completely sold on it. I think I'm going to have to try another issue or two to see if this really has a story that will build or if it's something that just kind of fizzles. Right now, I'm just going to give it two and a half slices of meatloaf. If you're a really big fan of Total Recall, and I know there's some people out there, then you probably want to check this out, but I don't think it was as good as the movie or the Philip K. Dick story that it was based on. Mm-hmm. So, so two and do half the slices. androids really dream of electric? That's a different book, but yes, they do. No, it's uh, the same book. Uh, Rodrigo, uh, let's talk about... Um, oh, I know. Let's talk about Moon Girl number two. Moon Girl number two. That's right. Seems like only a few minutes since last month's issue. Yep. They're, uh, they're, uh, Red 5's distribution is weird. Um, 
I think well, the first one came out in April, they and have they to were worried that no one had heard about the first issue. So they sent it out to us again and said, please take a look at issue one. And oh, by the way, issue two is coming out, I think, this week. Okay. So that's, that's why they that's sent cool. us that second copy. Issue two of Moon Girl complicates things, you know, for for the protagonist, or, or rather for us as the reader, as we're as we're getting to know this protagonist, because most of it takes place prior to the first time we see Moon Girl. Right. Um, you learn that basically her country was more or less overthrown at some point, and she was sent to America. Um, at which point she kind of um. Uh, acculturated you know she she you know uh started uh became a nurse find a nice guy started living with him i, I guess probably you married him i although, hope so in the 1940s yeah she although they're, they're never terribly clear about it but I, I, i'm gonna what? guess that's since you know they weren't sneaking around or anything like that I, yeah. i'm gonna guess that was the case yeah um and as uh, she's kind of uh going around with this this life where you know it's it seems very nice you know she's coming back with groceries one day and she's like hey sweetie you left the door open and opens it and there is satana ah. and she has her uh boyfriend or husband or something rigged to a death machine ah. and she's like aha i found you i thought that you were dead but you weren't you were just hiding here and she's like no i don't want to be a moon girl so she's like you have to act right now or I will kill your guy. And she presses a button and the thing is like going to chop his head off. And she's like, no, I just want to be normal. And the thing chops his head off. Uh, didn't um, see that coming. Yeah, I know. Um, And then all of a sudden there's a chick strapped to a bomb and she's going to she gets punched in the face. And then some other stuff happens. And she's like, man, there are a lot of crazy people going around these days. Mm-hmm. Um, It's interesting yeah certainly as interesting as the first issue uh i would say more interesting than the first issue it it really it fleshes out the character Mm -hmm. um you also see that she has a thing for a doctor that that she works with now um and um it's again the pacing is weird it's it's a little too sharp i would say i i kind of want to have a little bit like one more panel per page in which you know you get to kind of go at the end of something mm-hmm. because it really does seem just like bam 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 it's like it, it almost seems like there are pages missing mm-hmm. it's it's like they took all the pages that introduce a scene and just took them out so you're like always in this comic you're always in the middle of a scene mm. you never start a scene you never get that establishing that a good, shot good way to tell a story it's not i mean it's not bad it's just not something that you know i'm necessarily used to right um it 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 certainly has its strengths um i think that somebody who isn't coming in expecting it or or who's only kind of sort of giving it a chance might be put off by it um but that in and of itself is not necessarily a reason not to do it um the art is again very strong um there's a lot of attractive girls in this um and some handsome boys as well, uh, some of which don't get their heads cut off. <laughs> um, all around, I'm gonna give this one probably. We'll go with three and a half slices of meatloaf. I'm I'm very interested in it. It's got, you know, it's a period piece without doing that whole because right now we're getting very saturated by pulp. I feel and and, right. and things that are doing pulpy things. Um, 
and although this kind of fits into that, it's it's kind of doing its own thing as well. It's kind of writing its own history as it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just taking it, it. It basically is saying this is going to be pulp superheroes as opposed to just going to the two fisted scientist kind of thing, right? Um, it's pretty interesting. I'm I, I I I'm looking forward to reading issue three. Okay, so there you have a very glowing review of Axe Cop, a so so review of Total Recall, and uh, looking forward to reading some more of Moon Girl. Mm-hmm. All right, that's from Red Five Comics. Dark Horse Comics and Dynamite Entertainment. Oh my gosh. No mention of Marvel or DC. <gasps> we got to correct that. Yep. Well, I'm sure we'll fix it with the trade. Or I actually I think we'll fix this with the major spoilers poll. It's week. time. <laughs> I was waiting for a cue and he didn't give me one so I took it anyway. <laughs> yes, I know I explained the joke and that's a rookie mistake and you hate to see that. <gasps> time. For the millions in attendance and the three bald, fat, and or otherwise geeky guys in the room. The major spoilers poll of the week, 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 week. Test your metal. This week, let's uh, have a Smackdown drag out, uh, knock him around, beat, 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 uh, face. Face down, Smackdown fight. Face down, Smackdown, diggity down, fight. Who brings the can opener to this fight? In one corner, representing DC Comics, John Henry Irons, also known as Steel, and representing Marvel this week. John Henry Irons. In this corner, representing DC Comics, Dr. John Henry Irons, also known as Steel, and representing Marvel, eh, Tony Stark, Iron Man. (laughs) Also, you have to use his honorific as well. In the other corner... Colossal douchebag Tony Stark. <laughs> Two enter, one leave. Battle it out, Rodrigo. Go. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of Iron Man in Steel. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like that Steel has. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that joke was not audible. <laughs> I don't think it was. No, so uh, all we, we hear we, is uh, the laughing of hyenas in the background. Anyway, <laughs> a Chuck Norris joke leapt into my head, and I almost said it, and I thought I said it, and thank you, drive through. <laughs> anyway, Rodrigo, I, as I was saying, um, you know, Steel has a couple of. But I, I think what, what keeps Steel from being a, a straight-up Iron Man clone is that there's a very strong Superman influence. Right. And even though they've tried to move it away, it didn't necessarily slide back towards Iron Man mm-hmm. so much as it kind of went in its own thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I like that Steel has a weapon. Yeah. Um, big big hammer. Right. Um, which we've seen some of this week. Yeah. Uh, I like I like Steel a lot. I think there's a lot of good ideas there, but uh, personally, I I just like Iron Man a little better. I think that um, you know, characters aside, and you do kind of have to put. I feel you have to put the characters' personalities aside because Steel hasn't been around all that long. Right. Not certainly not as long as Iron Man. There are you know ten different Tony Starks sure. out there. Sure. Um, whereas there might only be like maybe two. Uh, steals and and we don't count 
uh, Shazam. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kazam. Kazam. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Shaq Fu. Um, so, so uh, I, you know, I think as far as as far as design, there are you know a lot of Iron Man armors I, I like, and and that's kind of probably what I end up why I end up going with Iron Man is because there's more to choose from. Right. And easier to find something I like. Whereas sometimes when I see a new representation of Steel, most often I'm like, I kind of wish that they would just go back to the Superman emblem, mm-hmm. uh, you know, rivet face Steel. Right, right, right. Matthew, how do you see this fight playing out? Well, for me, there's a, a lot of things that you have to take into account. I mean, Tony Stark makes you feel he's a cool exec with a heart of Steel, whereas Steel's entirely Steel. And if I were Stark, Raven, Rich, like a man of iron, I might be surprised to find that I don't understand the next lyric, so I kind of ruined my own joke. But really, for me, it's a matter of two defining factors. The one that we've gone over, over, and over, I'll say for a second. Steel, for me, is a, a mix of a lot of different influences. Steel is a, you know, a strong character who is also, you know, almost but not quite superhuman he's written as also being a genius and occasionally it comes into play that he is in fact a minority and he carries a hammer but he's got sort of superman powers and he can fly and he wears armor with a cape armor with a cape almost won him this match yeah except for the fact that i look at this as a character fighting the character who inspired and informed him and when that happens in my head, you know, Quicksilver fights the Flash, whether the Flash is faster or not, the Flash is, to my mind, the wellspring, and thus I give the edge to the Flash. So that's what I did here. I went with Iron Man simply because Steel it is not written as, and certainly not a character as an Iron Man knockoff, but a lot of what Steel does is informed by what we already know about Iron Man. And so, you know, he's an armored character, wearing a very Iron Man-inspired armor. Granted, he does accessorize well. He's got the hammer. He's got the cape. He's certainly not Tony Stark, but I think that Tony gets the edge because Steel is sort of a melange of, you know, Superman and Iron Man and Shaquille O'Neal. Right. Uh, For me, it was a little tough because I had to think and decide and I have to remember what's going on with uh, John Henry. I can't remember, didn't he get some kind of thing during 52 or whatever happened after 52 where his body is now steel and it's not actually an armor suit that he puts on? Dude, that was two years ago. That's practically an entire universe. Okay, I don't remember if that's still in effect or not because uh, that kind of does, that's kind of a decision uh, factor because if he is literally made I of steel. The last I remember seeing him is fighting Doomsday in Action Comics number 900 and there was no really, they did put him back in the suit that Rodrigo loves, but there was really no... Okay, so maybe he's no longer no maybe maybe he's no longer made of steel. Uh, and if he's just wearing a suit of iron, then I'm going to have to go with uh, Tony Stark simply because he's got repulsor rays, and distance always beats uh, anyone who basically has a close range attack. Mm-hmm. In this case, of a hammer. Now, steel could throw his mighty hammer, but it doesn't return to him like the uh, uh, like uh, Thor's hammer. Actually, I was it say, does. It, it, does it? Yeah, actually, yeah. and and the hammer has a has lot of crap going for it, it? too. Yeah, it's got like gonna go repulsor rays. magnetic powers and stuff like that. Repulsor yeah. rays. The hammer has basically plot point powers 
Yeah. Um, Blood point power. Which which so does so does powers. Iron Man's armor yeah. in, in the end. Well, so. uh, Iron Man is a walking plot point, uh, quite frankly. But uh, Rico, faithful spoiler, Rico says that he's going to give it to post extremist Iron Man. I have to point out that Iron Man no longer has the extremist virus after his rebirth post siege, or rather post whenever it happened. He's no longer the super extremist guy. While he does keep the armor supposedly in his bones when he mm-hmm. transforms, he's no longer a you know a super computerized ultimate human right. with uh, you know technopathic powers and all that stuff. So, well, Russ Katz says John Henry Irons because while Iron Man's armor has a definite edge in power and utility. It suffers from the operator's ego and hubris. I believe that Steel's down-to-earth brand of genius would prove the edge in this battle. Hmm. That's an interesting yep. point. And of course, Larry King says, got to give it to Tony. He's just a better character. <laughs> if he is a drunk asshole. Well, <laughs> and, and, and I, I think that... That's true. I, 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 gotta, I gotta wonder, and, and you know, not to, not to make this specifically a, a, a racial thing, but I think that Steel comes from a long tradition of dc characters who are really smart black guys yeah um that don't have much going for them other than the fact that they're really smart black guys and you know every once in a while a writer gets a hold of them and says "Ooh, i'm gonna make this what like black lightning story about how superman doesn't go down to his neighborhood and it's like yeah that's a good, a good story yep but in the end and then you know Black Lightning then slowly drifts back to that really super capable, completely vanilla, yeah. weirdly, black guy right. off in the distance. You know, Mr. Terrific? Mm-hmm. Mr. Terrific is less interesting black Batman in a lot of ways. Okay. Well, and uh, there's a, I think there's kind of a double standard in that, and rightfully so, people would probably be offended if they turned Steel into a heavy-drinking, womanizing ass clown. True. Simply because, you know, Steel is one of DC's very few top tier, or I'm actually going to say top of the mid card yeah. uh, black heroes. And there's, I mean, that factor has to be taken into play, whereas Tony Stark is just a douchebag. We've said that over and over. So so three of us all said Iron Man. Mm-hmm. How did the yep. rest of the Spoiler Right Nation vote so far today, Matthew? 302 votes as of this very second. 84% of the votes leaning towards Tony Stark. Uh, 16% towards Steel, which is weird because that's a gorgeous picture of Steel. Yeah, yeah. Um, and someone says it's an ugly Iron Man. I actually like that Iron Man uh, image that you have, the big head. Yeah, there. I forget what that was from. That was and, from one of the issues that came off of um, following Iron Man 2's release. Well, you'll also notice that in that picture, he's wearing the old uh, Mark V armor. The that's armor the armor that, that I like. Years and years. The, yeah, the mask that's the armor. armor. Yeah. The one that has the weird nipples and then the unibeam in the center. Yep. And it basically looks kind of like a guy wearing a leotard with yellow legs. It's a great yeah. suit. Yep. It's not my favorite, but it's a great suit. The Silver Centurion is still better looking. <laughs> All right, everybody. You can head over to Majorspoilers.com, and you can vote yourself. Cast your vote. Now, I will say that in the couple of minutes that uh, we've been discussing this, that poll went from 85% for Iron Man to 84% for Iron Man. Oh. So. You know, if enough Ooh. people get up there and vote this week, you could turn it around and make Dr. John Iron Henry Man Irons. Is falling down, top. steel will kick him. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Oko, the cycle of Earth. Gentlemen, John from Delaware once again. This time I'm calling about a movie that I saw so you don't have to, unless you want. 
went to uh, see Thor yesterday in the theaters for Mother's Day because there's nothing my wife likes more than me leaving her home alone. Uh, not bad. Uh, honestly, I'm not a big fan of Thor. Uh, in the comic books when I was a kid, I saw that fruity cape and that weird outfit and the hammer and that helmet, and I could care less. But, uh, you know, as far as the ultimate version of uh, these characters that they're doing in the movies, pretty solid story. Um, you know, um, actually made some of the characters that I was familiar with a little more relatable and some of the ones that I wasn't familiar with a whole lot less ridiculous. Uh, so in that sense, uh, not bad. Pretty solid acting, too. Uh, the guy who played Thor Hemsworth, I think it is, and the Sarsgaard who did Loki, actually, I thought Loki really, really nailed it, uh, whereas uh, Anthony Hopkins' uh, Odin was more plastic than the armor he was wearing. And uh, Natalie Portman was just freaking hot, man. And I mean, she didn't really have much to add or do, but she looked good doing it, so that's always nice. Um, a lot of the movie, though, really was just building up for this Avengers flick, and you could see it coming. I mean, yeah, you knew it was going to be an origin story, uh, but the way they handled it was actually pretty solid. As I've said, I think four or five times now, um, you know, they do a little bit of a flashback to, to the Asgard scenes uh, that lead Thor to Earth and then uh, bring him uh, up to speed and uh, in, in our world and then uh, get him back to Asgard and, you know, uh, leads to how he's going to be part of the Avengers group uh, coming up. In fact, they even do like a nice Superman 2 reference where he, uh, you know, at the end of the credits there, it says that Thor will return in the Avengers. Uh, so that was nice. Now, I saw it in 3D, so uh, nothing really to add. And 3D it just seems to dim the color and the brightness of some of these movies. Not a very dark film, but just don't bother. There's nothing really worth explaining any further with that. Anyhow, I'll give it a three out of five. Not great, not horrible. Middle of the road. So, see it if you uh, have money and some time, or wait and buy it on DVD later. Welcome back, and thank you for that review of, of uh, Thor. We really appreciate everyone who calls in. Don't forget, next week we'll be doing a live show where you can call in, ask us questions, talk about the topic that we'll be discussing next week. Uh, or if you'd just like to call in and leave a message, you can call the Major Spoilers hotline. That number, Matthew, is... 785-727, the Major Spoilers hotline, cycle of cheese. Yes, yes, yes. Speaking of cycle, cycle of Earth this week, Oko, the cycle of Earth, the second uh, volume in the Oko cycle. Oh, that'd be pretty cool. Cycle an two Oko cycle. for fat dogs. Run that down the highway at 95 miles Maybe an cycle hour. two was for puppies and cycle three was for fat dogs. I always get that It's the winner of 1109 in the official calendar of Pajan. Oko and his faithful companions have uh, escaped the bloody ravages of war on the plains of Pajan, mm -hmm. and they're now in the... Uh, in the city of what, like uh, Powder Keg or something? Oh, city, city of Black, Black Powder. Powder. That's right. And they're trying to find somebody that can guide them over the uh, the mountains of the Seven Monasteries. And they're attacked by these Black Raven dudes. Ha! Oh, and no! One of them is really wounded. And they have to find out, well, who are these Black Raven people that are attacking us? Mm -hmm. And thus we must begin a quest of the Black Ravens. Or whatever we're going to call it. Cycle of, cycle of Earth, I guess. Yeah. Cycle well, four. it's just it's just called the cycle of Earth because that's the next right. element in the cycle. Right. So they're looking for demonic monks. They're mm -hmm. looking for this demonic cult, which, uh, you know, I appreciate that story. I think it's really cool. You know, who who are these, you know, black 
these people that have the black raven as their symbol mm-hmm. uh why would they attack us why have they hurt uh the main heavy heavy uh armed guy uh why is our our drunken monk why is he critically injured uh let's seek some answers and the answers aren't really that easy to find no and that I think is is kind of frustrating because they go end up going from monastery to monastery to monastery to monastery. There are there are seven monasteries in these mount in this mountain range, except for one. There's actually another one that we learn about, the yep. eighth that sits on top of the world. Yeah. There are, there are seven known monasteries in these right. mountains, and they go to every one of them, <laughs> which is kind of nice because I mean, if you're exploring a world, mm-hmm. you want to see these seven incredible monasteries that everybody talks about scattered throughout these mountains. Of course, it's winter time when right. the story takes place, so much of the mountain pass is is covered with snow, which hinders their proce- uh, progress. Um, uh, I, I guess in that sense, it's it's real interesting, but I don't know if we had to go and visit as many of them as we right. did, and and some of them are pretty quick. Some oh some, yeah, yeah, but but what ends up happening is every time they go to a monastery. They go to the first monastery and they say, mm, no, I don't know anything about these uh, black ravens. Why don't you visit monastery number two? Right. They're pretty smart about, you know, we're smart about books, but those guys are smart about magic right. as them. So they go to trace to the mountains, get to monastery number two. Oh, no, we don't know anything about those guys. But why don't you go to monastery number three? They are very good about insignia and stuff like that. They're like, oh, okay. And so on and so forth while having awesome adventures along the way. And of course, Oko, I think, gets more and more frustrated in the journey mm-hmm. because it seems just like, what, what? Are you telling me to go to someplace else again? I'm going to kill somebody that tells me to go to the next monastery. Yep. Um, and, yeah, and because also, when they go to the monasteries, the the monk takes the the lead. Right, because um, he's they're, they're drunken there. monk. Right. So, you know, Oko, not like Oko is a patient man, but he has no real, uh, no use for, you know, what a lot of these monks do and, and kind of their, their lifestyles and, and stuff like that. So the, the, uh, and I forget actually what the monk's name is. Which is called Drunken Monk. Uh, the Drunken Monk, um, tries to smooth things out. Bo Raicho, if I'm not mistaken. Bo Jangles? No. Met a man, but jangles right. and he I don't, danced I don't for think you. That's, I don't think that's the case. Oh, okay. Um, and you know the the monk tries to smooth things out, but uh, Oko at some point is not having it. It it is you know when we start the story, it basically starts because some guy that we don't know gets killed in front of Oko, right. and Oko goes, "I need to figure out why this happened." Right, right. You know, in his typical. Yeah, but wasn't kind of, it supposed to be an attack? It was supposed to be an assassination on Oko, right? Because that's what we're kind of led no. up to at that festival, at the Black Powder Festival, is that people are like, where is this Oko? And he's like, oh, he's down the street having a conversation. And then all of a sudden, no, like, oh. I don't think so. I think they were trying to kill the uh, the informant oh, okay. for the uh, samurai oh, yeah, yeah, chick. Yeah. Okay. All and right. then uh, he, Oko just, you know, he basically runs to find Oko. He hears mm-hmm. that Oko's around and, you know, being a legendary samurai. And he's like, Oko, help me. And then it, he gets killed. Yeah. Okay. And Oko goes, I need to find out why this happened. And that spawns a journey. Yep. Because I'm now, Oko. Matthew, and what are be, your thoughts and, you know, so far in the in this story? I actually read through the entire first cycle and did not catch the one element which bugged me so badly from the beginning of issue one. We went through the entire cycle of water, and I did not realize that they're traveling in the uh, the uh, emperor or the empire of Pajan. Mm-hmm. Right. And for some reason, 
as soon as I remembered that and I read that in this issue, I'm like, oh, yeah, Vault, I hate that. And I don't know why Pajan struck me as so awful, but it's not until, I believe, in issue two when we meet Shen, is it Shenzuko or Shenzuko, the one-armed The one-armed uh, samurai girl? Yeah, yeah. Shenzuko, I believe her name is, mm-hmm. that I got past that Pajan to the point where I was really, you know, built into it. I kind of liked the, and here's this, and here's this, and here's this, in... To some degree, it was kind of like, here's your adventure hook. What are you going to do with it? Right. And obviously, that's always difficult to work into a narrative. But it really worked for me because, as Rodrigo said, it kind of built intentionally. It built into one of those things where we kind of start, you know, feeling the tension. And is this going to be the place? And no, this is not the place. And wow, that woman sure is topless. But this is not the place either. Right. And. I, I, you know, I kind of like that build until we actually get to the point where there's also kind of, you know, that party building bit going on through the bit. So I can't help but read this in terms of, you know, a really strong Dungeons and Dragons campaign, which I think is the way I read pretty much all high fantasy or stuff like this. I mean, it kind of has that. I mean, it's this big, long, I think it's an overextended journey, Mm -hmm. which really could have been a two issue story instead of a four issue story. Originally, it was two books in, in the European um, version of this. Right. Um, you, one of the hooks in, in the first book was within the first page, we got to see naked boobies. Mm-hmm. You know, here we got to wait until like issue two or three before we meet this one armed, uh, uh, samurai who mm-hmm. I think was an interesting character oh, and yeah. in that she's very flawed in that she's always ready to take action. And Oko's constantly telling her, no, stand down. Right. Patience. Your childish outburst is a confession of weakness. Right. Uh, the group finally ends up at the top of the world in the mysterious Eighth Monastery, the repository of all knowledge in Pajan. Mm-hmm. And that's where they meet the, uh, I don't know, the skeleton zombie horrific chaos monsters. Yep. And all hell breaks loose, so yep. to speak. What happens, Rodrigo? As it does. Well, a, a couple of things happen. Uh, when they uh, meet the uh, the samurai, she has a pet anthropomorphic rat monster. Yes. Um. So that's fun. And then the uh, the these heretical monks are like, oh, those are the guys who've been asking about us, and that's that chick that we don't like. Let's summon up some zombies and kill them. So they start playing their magic flute, yeah, yeah. and some zombies show up. So they fight them, and then the rat spots them, and they're like, oh, retreat, and they run away, and the zombies <laughs> stop. And then they find that some, uh, basically, those evil monks turn some of the uh, samurai, some of the ro- uh, or yeah, the samurai chicks. Uh, scouts into trees oh yeah yeah yeah. so um the young monk who basically is our point of view character right um who we met in the first we met in the first issue sister was kidnapped and Mm -hmm. killed right um is like don't worry i will free them because at this point the the drunken monk has been wounded right um and is out of commission so he's like i will free them i will petition the earth oh earth cami can you save these guys okay (laughs) <laughs> except that I'm a monster and I'm gonna eat you. <laughs> so, then this giant monster comes out of the earth and tries to eat them, at which point, uh, Noburo, who's the big, uh, unstoppable killing monster guy who right. hangs out with them, just kind of jumps him and they have a big monster fight off in the distance. Mm-hmm. And everybody else is like, oh, run! Yeah, yeah, And then, you know, they do eventually find these people that are trying to kill them. Mm-hmm. And, again, more fighty-fighty, more stabby-stabby, demons... Yep. Demons expelled. Then uh, 
conveniently, these guys wear these uh, crazy basket hats. Yes. So they kill two of them. Oko dresses up as another, as one of them, and then follows them to their super secret monastery. Yeah, super secret. Yep. It's like pretty cool. You know, when it gets into that monastery, though, from the art, mm-hmm. it had a very feel of um, Name of the Rose. Do you remember that movie with uh, Sean Connery? Where, yeah. the, where they and had to Christian go through this Slater. whole maze of of uh, books and knowledge and everything that mm-hmm. before it gets all burned to the ground. That's kind of how I kind of felt when they were kind of moving through there, going yep. into the bowels of the monastery. So, uh, good guys win in the end? Yes. To a point? To a point. Monk is revived? Mm-hmm. Party's still together? Yep. Samurai girl, yeah. I forget what happened to her. She she just, I mean, she succeeds. Basically, it all, it all culminates in this fort as the um as the uh cultists attack with just this wave after wave of zombies right um, and do we want to spoil it yeah go ahead okay so basically this the the rat creature that hangs out with the samurai sacrifices himself mm-hmm. he uh there's this great scene where the young monk has been learning to fire an arquebus mm-hmm. um and so the rat runs up with a big barrel of gunpowder and starts stands right on top of the uh of the evil monks and the young monk is like I can't miss this shot and takes a <laughs> shot and just totally whips but by that point the old monk is like fire cami attack yeah 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 and he blows up the rat along with the gunpowder and all the bad guys and all the zombies collapse cuz you need to keep they need to keep jazzing yeah. to uh to to be able to to be animated and then basically Oko says, well, <laughs> the authorities are on their way to sort this out. Me and my brigands are out of here. Yeah. So the uh, <laughs> the samurai chick, I believe, gets promoted. And um, at that point, you kind of see that if, if you hadn't gotten it at the very beginning, uh, there's these two monks going around mm-hmm. who are not involved in the story and what it is is those monks are the young monk now an old man oh, okay. and his and his new apprentice mm-hmm. who are basically going around paying homage to all the people that died in this pilgrimage including the rat i see i see um i don't know if we read this uh, last time after we did uh, cycle of air or water or whatever it was from what I understood, Oak. This Water. is from Peter. He says, "From what I understood, Oko is supposed to be five arcs, four elements, and one arc to finish the whole story. That would form one big uh, story. Every cycle gets released in a forty-eight page hardcover, oversized. It's uh, it's what they do with European comics. Those books are released once every year and a half. That's why they're so detailed. Um, and this is normal uh, publicity rate for European comics." Um, you had made a comment last time we talked about this about the uh, creator-owned nature of this. Most European comics are creator-owned. We have some company-owned books, but they are an exception, not the rule. And they have mostly company-owned books because the original creator sold them to the company. Um, let's see. And then he says that we might also want to check out some of other European comics, but he says this is one of his favorite European comics of all time. So mm-hmm. we were wondering about the release cycle because it just seems right, kind right. of scattered of when uh, these come out. But he did say that, you know, they release books when they release books because they spend a lot of time making the art. Really uh, good. Uh, and you can, and you can see that. And again, this issue, this, this series, this arc, four issues from Archaea mm-hmm. really has some fantastic art. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I did notice though, when I was reading through this is, you know, in American comic books, we usually, when we change a location, 
we'll devote a whole splash page or a double page spread or at least you know three quarters of the page to this um, reveal of the new location. Mm-hmm. That's not so in this book. It's like you're in one location and it's a color scheme blue, and then the very next panel you're in another location, color scheme red, and they're both the same size panel, and it takes you yep. a moment to adjust to realize. Uh, and a lot of small oh, panels. Yeah, there were there like, were a lot really, of this one. It, and that's kind of a something that you know in in the United States panels have gotten wider and wider and bigger, and you have more splash pages and right. stuff. But you know, you can compare this kind of weirdly to an Asterix comic. Mm-hmm. You know, it has a lot of those small panels, right? And it it kind of keeps the story moving, um, especially in a situation like this where the story doesn't move very fast. At yeah. least you know you have a lot of stuff to look at, right? And again, if this were oversized, mm-hmm. then you know those smaller panels would really work, right? right. But, Artists, once again, I think fantastic. A few yep. times where I was getting a little confused over which character is which. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, overall, I thought the art was really, really good. Matthew? Do we know what size it's printed in in the original from? just says 48-page hardcover oversized is what we're assuming. So I'm assuming if, See, you, I'm have, thinking, if you have an asterisk yeah. book, you know, those are yeah. oversized. So I'm thinking, what is that, the yeah. 11 and a half by 14 or whatever it is or... Basically, what we consider to be kind of a magazine size or a, mm-hmm. yeah. a uh, portfolio size, right? Which I think, well, since I, you know, I read the books at a point where I could, you know, zoom in and out of them, that helped for me. Right. But I really love the art, and again, I think that, as we said the first time around, the art is definitely worth waiting for. This time around, for some reason, I felt like there was a little bit more of a disjointedness between what was being said in English and what the art was actually showing me. And it was never Mm -hmm. really overwhelming, but it felt a little bit more like there are times when you're translating something. And this was, you know, especially true of the anime that I grew up with, you know, your speed racers and your Astro Boys and Mm -hmm. things like that, where there's almost too much expositionary dialogue Mm -hmm. for me in that they're showing us and telling us at the same time, because, you know, maybe the art style reads a little different in that different language. And I'm not sure. I felt like this one was a little bit talkier than the last one and talkier in a way that, in a way that didn't necessarily serve the story as well. Whereas, you know, the imagery is still fabulous and the characterizations are very strong. Mm-hmm. I want to know more about Shenzuroku, uh, Kuku, Ruku, Kuku, Luku, the, you know, the one-armed female samurai at a point in time that's supposed to be sort of kind of feudal Japan. Right. When you think, you know, a, a disfigured female samurai, that's about three different kinds of contradictory, which is pretty phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But, you know, overall, it was it was a positive experience for me, but it wasn't as engrossing as the cycle of water for me. And I don't know if there was maybe a greater distance. It didn't feel like so much a perspective thing. I think in Cycle of Water, what is the young monk's name? Uh, Kenshi? We'll call him Kenshi. We'll call him Kimchi. Sure, we will. Okay. <laughs> I didn't Tiku. call him Kimchi. That Tiku. 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 Tiku's perspective and Tiku's, you know, Tiku's point of view, I think, was stronger. Or rather, it was more, a you know, attuned to Tiku in that first arc where we were kind of getting that, you know, that Wesley Crusher character and you got to see Oko as kind of translated through Tiku. There's less of that here, Mm -hmm. which I think lends to the story having a greater distance and makes it feel more like a historical type story. 
And then there are points, you know, where again, something simple like the, the empire of Pajan can throw you and having that happen early in that first story, in that first issue, you know, really damaged it for me to the point where I had to force myself to jump back in. I'm glad I did. Yeah. But I think that the narrative is a little more remote than it was in that first arc. The first, I, uh, I guess, two albums. I, I have to agree with you. I mean, I thought that the setting is fantastic. The idea of the story is fantastic. The art is fantastic, but it's the fact that this is drawn out into such a long journey mm. that had some character moments, but for me, ultimately, was just became a, almost a death march in trying to read through this. I just I wasn't really happy with this for, with this um, second installment of the Oko series. Um, now I have read the first issue of the next one, and I got to say I want to find out what happens next in that one because something pretty serious happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also to give some clarification to readers when they hear Matthew talking about zooming in and out, don't worry, these are not illegal copies. Archaea sent us these originals back in uh, two thousand seven, two thousand eight. I'm sorry, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, right. when Cycle of Earth came out as individual issues. And I keep everything that we get as mm-hmm. review copies because I know at some point we're going to be talking about them here. So, uh, just to clarify that, so you're not like, Matthew's pirating me. No, that's not the case. How do you know I didn't go out and pay for them? You know, but that's well, because you said you zoomed in and out. So, that's kind of the giveaway. Right. And, and we know that you are deathly afraid of digital comics. I'm deathly <laughs> afraid of digital everything, my friend. <laughs> I am an old school Luddite, and you can keep your smartphones and your gadgetry and your... Sometimes Welsh, he don't, sometimes don't. he remembers that he has fingers and he just starts screaming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rodrigo, bottom line for you on this book? Um, it's certainly not as strong a cycle of water, and I think part of the reason for it is that it just completely one hundred percent assumes that you've read Cycle of Water, right? Which I think is is something that we as 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 mostly reading American comics are, are kind of not used to. Usually, when you start a new arc, well. I guess it depends. But when you start a new arc of a non-superhero comic, you do kind of expect some exposition, and there is none here. Right, right, right. Um, I like... There are things about what I've seen of of, of this story that I like. I like how characters are introduced for this story only, become part of the party, and then leave. And and Mm -hmm. they even... The narrator even says, and we never saw them again. Yeah. You know, I, I like that a... Not a completely new, but a most a partially new group of adventurers comes together for this story mm-hmm. you know for whatever reasons i i really like that a lot could the story be a little bit better well certainly other things could happen i suppose because in the end it's you know oko sees a guy get killed then he goes to find who <laughs> killed him and then there's a big fight yeah um so some other stuff could have happened in the middle. Um, I I enjoyed it. I would definitely recommend it, if nothing else, than just for the art. Because the art, just like in the previous uh, cycle, is, is, is excellent. So uh, who's up for Cycle of Air? Oh, I am. Let me just give you a little teaser. Oko is, Oko is left for dead after a duel. Yep, that's actually... Yeah, I, re- I reviewed that issue when it, yeah, yeah. When it came out. That's the one that has me hooked. I want to see what yeah. happens. So, uh, if it's supposed it's to be five cycles, who gets him? Yeah, if it's supposed to be five cycles and and the guy's dead in the third outing, I want to know what happens next. So, uh, we'll see in the cycle of air. Uh, but for right now, Rodrigo says check it out or mm-hmm. give it a pass. I say give it a pass. To be honest, I wasn't really sold on it, and there's nothing in here that leads us to believe that we have to have the knowledge from Cycle of Earth to move on to Cycle of Air. 
So if you want to see some great art, certainly pick it up. But otherwise, no. Matthew. Um, I would say that I still recommend it, but I wouldn't recommend it the same way I'd recommend uh, the first arc. And I would definitely recommend that you read the first arc first. Yes. Which, yeah. you know, does kind of make sense. I think that it's strong and it's still nice to see something that is so, I, I, I don't want to use the term alien because that's kind of insulting, but it's basically a story about one culture, culture filtered through another culture, both of which are not the culture of those of us reading it, mm. which I think really makes for kind of a nice experience. Again, th- this arc is a little more, I guess it's a little less accessible than the first, but that doesn't mean that I don't like it. And I certainly wouldn't say that, uh, you know, it's bad. It is probably a strong three out of five for me. I'd say definitely get a chance to read it. And then if you like it, you can definitely purchase it, but read the first one first. Definitely. You're going to have to do that. All right, everybody, that wraps it up for this issue. Thank you so much for listening and being part of the Major Spoilers experience. Next week, as I've mentioned before, we're finally getting around to episode 300 and doing a live show of that, so be on the lookout for the links and how you can participate. Why is it all of a sudden episode 300 or issue 300? Because we know that you're completists and need that little organizational Uh. system, and we need it too. We'll talk with you real soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash Majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash Majorspoilers. If I had the X-ray vision of a Superman, I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, they kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm Stark Raven rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine Be in the Middle East With a King Santo and soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa. What a major spoiler This has been a Major Spoilers podcast Copyright 2011 Goodbye See you on the next show